The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Okay, today I am going to eat some humble pie, which is to say I'm going to admit something to you that feels a bit shameful. I don't know why it feels so awful when we make mistakes in writing Maybe it's because those mistakes seem so permanent because they're written down for everybody to see. And I made a big mistake. Yesterday, I was working on the updated version of Write This Way. I'm oh, sorry. Write the Perfect Read, the fiction edition. Spoiler, I was working on both, actually. Um, and I decided that I was going to work on the paperback version of write this write the perfect read, uh, the fiction edition, and I went on the Amazon page to look at the price and just get all that stuff squared away because I was adjusting the ISBN, and I saw it, a new review. And there are a lot of people who will tell you, don't read reviews, they're just going to make you sad. And I'm not one of those people. I read every review. Sometimes they make me sad. Uh, Yesterday's review made me sad. (laughs) But it's important to be able to learn anything you can from these reviews if they contain uh, any information that you find useful. So I started reading this two-star review. And, of course, the review started out with saying that the book does what it says it's going to do. And I'm like, okay, so then why why is there a two-star review? And... It says that the book, who is written by editors, uh, is full of glaring errors. And I was like, what? And then it says, it points out two of them. And I really think that, well, actually, I know that there are not that many glaring errors because I've, since I finished my copy editing certification, I've re-gone through the book to find any uh, things that snuck in there the first time around because I've also added some amazing new content that I can't wait for you to read. Uh, But so there was a mistake that I missed that I even missed on my second go-around. And the the thing is, I confused elusive, I-L-L-U-S-I-V-E, with elusive, E-L-L-U-S-I-V-E. And that is a big mistake, and I did it in a chapter heading, so that's extremely embarrassing. Uh, And so I was thinking about this, this big mistake, and of course, at that moment, I went and I fixed it in all of the files that I have, and I checked all my table of contents. I mean, I just searched and destroyed this error, 
but I was thinking, why did this happen? And the simple answer is, I forgot to look over my list of commonly confused words for my own book, which happens because I don't use the normal copy editing process on my own book because I find that it's impossible, which is why uh, normally I hire a copy editor, Maria. But Maria also co-wrote this book with me. And I think that maybe the lesson is that we should hire a third <laughs> a third copy editor to go over these books because it's too hard to self-edit uh, because you you just don't see the mistakes as well when it when you've written it because you get what's called mistake blindness. And I think in this case, we both kind of got mistake blindness because we were working on different parts and making notes and sending it back and forth. And so for the next, for the next Write the Perfect Read, the nonfiction edition, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that we need to find a certified copy editor to go over the book for us once we've finished, once we've self-edited, once we've edited each other's pieces, uh, or maybe just a proofreader, a really good proofreader, because we won't need a heavy copy edit. I guess we could hire for light copy edits, but anyways... If you are certified and you would like to work with us, uh, we're going to be hiring a copy editor for our next book that's coming out, hopefully uh, at the end of January, which we haven't written it yet, but we have we have it outlined, we have everything ready, and I know that people who write nonfiction are going to love this book because I can't find a book like it on the market, and I also write nonfiction, and if, like let's say I'm in a time travel loop, uh... I wrote this book, and then I went back in time to tell myself about it. I would be really excited. I mean, I wouldn't touch myself because, you know, that might cause some kind of paradox craziness. But I would be like, hey, look, this book is going to tell you everything you need to know uh, about how to write nonfiction. And don't get confused about elusive and elusive. Even though they sound almost exactly the same, they mean two different things. Uh, And it's a really easy word to confuse, and I'm going to go over why that is in a minute. But I want to talk about the problem with this two-star review because the person who left this review obviously missed the entire point of the book. Uh, And (laughs) there, I mean, sometimes when you read a review that's like so scathing, there's no choice but to laugh. And I'm still laughing today. And there's been another review that was like so obviously uh, mean, unnecessarily mean in it. And whenever I see it, it makes me laugh because also it has correct inform- incorrect information in it. And that's something uh, that was also in this scathing review. Uh, the person used uh, scare quotes incorrectly and that made me bust up laughing because, uh, you know, they were so clearly concerned with editorial correctness and then they made that mistake in their review. So I just want to help you understand uh, that correct use, correct language usage isn't a weapon. The two-star review is a reminder of why we need copy editing, uh, right? Because we do make mistakes. But the purpose of copy editing is actually not to make sure that everything is perfect, That's not what copy editors do. And even copy editors will tell you, hey, I'm going to catch, you know, probably 98% of the mistakes in here, but you should have a proofreader whose job it is to look at the thing after it's been formatted, go through and double check. 
And so the, the purpose of the copy editor is to make sure that the storytelling, or uh, if it's a nonfiction book, the information comes through clearly. And yes, okay, elusive was a mistake. Like I admitted to you, I made a mistake. I forgot to check my list of commonly confused words for my own book, which is not something I would do in a client's book. <laughs> uh, but it's the kind of mistake that I prefer because it doesn't impede understanding. And that's the ultimate goal of copy editing is to ensure clear, concise communication, which means that it's easy for the reader to understand. So, yes, okay, I made a mistake, but a lot of people are confused about elusive and elusive and what they mean, and so that's not necessarily going to impede the reader understanding that the reader, which is who I was referencing when I used this incorrect word, is a mysterious being that's kind of hard to understand. And so, yes, okay, it's wrong. But if I'm going to have such a glaring mistake, uh, I would rather have it be something like that where the understanding doesn't go away because of it. So, you know, I, I should have uh, clearly reviewed that list that I have one last time before I push the publish button. But publicly shaming someone like me over this mistake shows us more about the reviewer than it does about me uh, or Maria. And it shows us that they miss the whole point of the book, which is that the way you tell your story matters. They insult the book by mentioning that it contains filler, which is this is where they incorrectly use the scare quotes because there's no reason for them to put filler in scare quotes if that's what they actually mean. And I'm pretty sure that's what they actually meant or why would they write that sentence at all? And the personal stories in this nonfiction book are important because they teach you about reader behavior and reader expectations because Maria and I are both crazy readers. We love to read. We're very passionate about stories. Uh, in Maria's case, she's extremely passionate about precision and she can spot the tiniest plot holes <laughs> that I don't even think are a big deal. She'll be like, oh, well, this is wrong when we're both reading a book together, you know, that... Uh, you know, for fun. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And that's why she's so good at what she does. But we're both readers first. We both read before we could write. We both read before we became editors. And so these stories teach the person who's reading our book how to interact with, uh, with the reader and how to think about the reader. And if you want to tell a good story... If you want to be a storyteller, then these ideas are important to you. And they were clearly not important to this reviewer. And when I was telling my husband about this later, you know, I didn't tell him that I had already written down a bunch of notes for a podcast where I was going to admit to you, my wonderful listener, wonderful writer, that I made a huge mistake. And he said, you know, if that was their review, then they completely missed the point of the book. Yeah, that's what I, that was my reaction. So that confirmed that, yes, okay, this person wasn't really reading the book in order to find out more about storytelling. They just, uh, they thought that it was going to be a more technical book. And 
I don't know what more technical aspects you could have in such a short book. If it was going to be a book about technical writing techniques, I think it would be about three times that size. And probably at some point, I will write a book like that. But not now, and that was not the point of this book. Uh, the point is to understand the process of writing all the people that are involved, including the reader, and how to bring that story to life for that person. So why was my mistake so glaring? Let's get into it. I'm going to put a link to a very handy Merriam-Webster article in the information about this episode so that you can find it. But the, the difference between elusive and illusive uh, is that they, they come from the same Latin word, ludere, which means to play, and that's why their meanings can become confusing. But also elusive, I-L-L-U-S-I-V-E, has lost uh, its prominence in modern American English because we use the word illusion instead which is a, a relative of elusive. But uh, so E-L-L-U-S-I-V-E comes from the word elude, E-L-U-D-S. And so that means that someone who is trying to find the thing, they can't find it. That's literally what it means. So uh, my, bob <laughs> my set of bobby pins eludes me. I find right now my set of bobby pins is elusive, and I'm not just joking. I'm pretty sure my husband borrowed it for his Chewbacca costume. Uh, so I can't find any bobby pins right now, so I've been using giant hair clips in my very short bob, uh, asymmetrical bob cut, and I would like to find those. However, elusive, I-L-L-U-S-I-V-E, uh, it's based on something that is not physical in form. So it's like a mirage. It's something that maybe you see it, but it's not real. And so the reader can't be elusive because the reader exists. So that's why it's a big mistake. What, I'm, what I was trying to communicate is that sometimes uh, writers try to find readers and they can't or they don't understand them. And so that's what I was referencing. And so elusive with an I is wrong. And it's embarrassing, you know. If I'm being honest, I will mention that Maria and I wrote Write the Perfect Read uh, while I was going through my first half of copy editing classes. And then we published it. And then I took the last half of my copy editing classes and I realized, oh, there's, there are a few things I should fix about this book and I just haven't yet because I've been working on different projects. And I was obviously working on trying to graduate from my program, which I did, uh, thankfully, in June. I graduated with straight A's, which is the first time I've ever done that and I was pretty excited about that. So I obviously am certified. I've you know, done practice manuscripts. I've edited real manuscripts now. And it, there is a big difference between my writing before I finished the program and now that I have finished. And some of those things uh, have disappeared from my writing, like 
uh, vague language. That's a big one. I noticed I was do I was employing a lot of vague language before I went through this process. And so if you've read my book and you notice that problem, I'm sorry. I'm going to fix it in the updated version, which is hopefully going to come out soon. I just have to record the audiobook narration for it, and I'll tell you this trick. If you don't have a proofreader, you can record the audiobook narration, and if there are any mistakes, you will notice them because they are glaring when you're sitting there trying to read a script and suddenly one of the words doesn't make sense or a word is repeated. Because I read the audiobook narration for Write This Way, and I found four mistakes in the book that were left over uh, after Maria and I had both been through it. And I wrote that book by myself, so I hired her as my copy editor. And I don't expect that she will be able to find every single mistake. I expect her to catch most of them, and in this case, that's what happened. And by doing the audiobook narration before I published the book, I was able to find those four mistakes. And then I even found one more mistake when I was recording the course. Well, I'm still recording it. I'm almost finished with it because it's not actually a copy editing type of mistake. It's a formatting mistake where there's an inverted single quotation mark. And I found that because I was copying chunks of example text and putting it into my presentation, I said, oh, that's flipped the wrong way. I need to fix that. So hopefully that will be the last mistake. But when I put out a manuscript, even though I'm a copy editor, I don't expect 100% correctness because I don't think that in a world where we are in entropy, we exist amongst entropy, uh, that we can expect that. And my attitude is actually much better if you think, how can a copy editor say that it's okay to leave an error in a manuscript? First of all, I don't think it's okay. I just know from experience that it's impossible to catch everything all the time. But I've heard other copy editors who charge three times what I charge say, well, it's not my job to catch every mistake, and that's why the author must hire a proofreader. And of course, she employs a proofreader through her editing service, and she's getting a bunch of money, not just from her copy edit, but from a percentage of what the the proofreader is charging as well. So I do take responsibility for a lot of the mistakes. I just know that I'm not perfect, and if that's what a client is expecting, then they're going to be disappointed by me and by every other person forever because there is no perfect person, and we all make mistakes. And even though my job is to make sure there are as few mistakes as possible, uh, my main job is that there's no impeding factor for reader understanding. And in this case, the big mistake that I left in Write the Perfect, Read the Fiction Edition would not impede impede understanding on the reader's part because a lot of readers think that elusive and elusive with an I mean the same thing. So, but I'm still going to fix it because, of course, I can't leave it. And uh, if you feel like leaving me a two-star review because I've made a mistake, then I'm sorry that you missed the point of the book. I practice grace for other people. I hope that people will give me grace, but I don't expect them to. And for him or her, whoever it was, it was an Amazon customer. They said, I would never hire this person as an, ed- as an editor. And I'm like, okay, well, 
That's great, actually, because I think it would be a nightmare to work with you if your expectations are that uh, I have to be so perfect and <laughs> you have to be so perfect as a writer. That just doesn't sound like fun. And would I double check this word from now until forever because of this issue? Yes, I I will. <laughs> I will always make sure to read uh, my list of often confused words before I finish a work and I would search for all these words in that piece. And, you know, we learn from mistakes. And this is something I'm always telling my kids because they're like me. They don't like making mistakes. But when we make mistakes, we learn from them. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to obsess over this mistake. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to remember to use my list from now on. And I'm going to move forward because that's really the only positive thing I can do. And I hope that when you make a mistake, you'll remember this giant mistake that I made in a book that I'm selling. And you'll think, okay, yes, I made a mistake, but it probably wasn't as big as Kristen's mistake. And it probably also uh, is something I can learn from and take that new knowledge and move forward and do better next time. And that's all you can do is your best. And that's why we have all these redundancies in our editing system. Uh, not that we leave redundancies in manuscripts. We always take them out. But we have these checks that we go. And as we're, as we're in the process, we have these various steps to help us find uh, more correctness. But writing is an art, and art is messy. And... It's okay if you make a mistake. So I'm telling you that after I'm confessing to you that I have made a huge mistake, and I hope that next time you mess up, you'll think of me and you'll remember that it's okay as long as you learn from it and you move on and you continue on your storytelling adventure. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy, Happy writing. writing.